You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grantbier, and today's episode is with Pillow Queens. This is a funny one, both the literal talk and how this episode came to be. So, rewind a few years. I'm in Dublin, and I bump into my friend Ruth and her friend Sarah, who's one of the members of the band Pillow Queens, a punk band from the LGBTQ community who excel at rebellion. Fast forward to 2019, and Sarah and her band make it to New York for their first ever U.S. show. They played to a packed room at pianos, and it was fucking brilliant. The following day of that show, my schedule changes, and I'm able to link up with them once again, this time for the podcast that you're about to hear. This episode is quite literally the most impromptu chat I've had in quite a long time. None of the questions were prepared beforehand, but I made sure to consider what a newcomer to the band's music would want to know. And I gotta be honest with you, I'm pretty proud of how this one came to be, and I'm sure you're going to love it. This is the 405 Exchange with Pillow Queens. Enjoy. Okay, so since we have more than three people who are going to be talking, it's always good to do like a bit of roll call, so that way people know who's talking and when. So, can you guys just say your name and what you do in the band? Sure. I'm Sarah. I play bass, guitar, and I sing in Pillow Queens. I'm Rachel. Uh, I play the drums, and I also sing. I'm Pamela. I also play bass, guitar, and sing. I'm Cathy, and I sing and I play guitar. Guys, thanks so much for finding the time to chat. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. What's cool about this is that it is quite literally, out of all the episodes we've done, the most impromptu one ever. But that, like, (laughs) makes me feel more excited because you guys landed, what, like two days ago? Yeah. And I saw you guys perform last night at Pianos Mm. and it was fucking sick. And now we're still here. And now we're here. Yeah, Yeah. surrounded by... um, Chicken bones. Chicken bones. (laughs) Cheetos and... Yeah, paint the scene. Slayer Patch Kids, everything. Yeah, we're only... We only... Got into our pajamas. We got out of our pajamas for this podcast, which you can't even see that we're not wearing. And into it. But tell me about this. Like, I mean, yesterday was like the first ever US gig. How was it? Like, I had a great time, but how was it for you? I was hyper the entire time on stage. I was just completely hyper because I was so excited to be playing a gig in New York. Yeah, it was incredible. Like such a bucket list thing. I didn't even let nerves get to me because oh. I was just too excited. Mm. I was like, shitting myself before. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. My, my stomach was. My stomach was going crazy. I was just no like, way. oh no. Yeah. Oh, really? no. Are you sure you just didn't eat something dodgy? I didn't eat at all. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so unlikely. Yeah. I didn't eat since sleep in the taxi overs. Did yeah, you like really stressed, like, <laughs> <fall> asleep. <laughs> like a goat. Yeah, we even sleep when we cross the... Which bridge was it? No, no, no. This is like oh, we went for that. Spectacular. Yeah, we crossed the Manhattan oh, Bridge and it was like just as the sun was setting and there was this ball of red in the sky. Oh, fuck. It was incredible. And there yeah. was a million windows lit up. Yeah, it was gorgeous. God. That's like fucking ideal like a show. It was isn't spectacular. Yeah. And then my phone was like, you've run out of storage. I was like, well, you know, you have your happy mind film. So. No, I don't. I drank it away. 
barely remember it. Kathy took a photo, so I can remember it through. I got photo. video. <laughs> have you seen <laughs> the photo? <laughs> yeah, so bad. I have like the Samson, I don't know, minus five or something. Fucking <laughs> so bad. What uh, really stuck out to me last night is that I've been fortunate to, and privileged to have seen a lot of like bands play their first gigs here mm-hmm. in New York and not like first US shows or first like US shows in general. And what was really cool about last night is not only did people turn up, but there were people singing the words back. That was cool. We okay. paid them though. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fivers all around. For yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Two fivers each. <laughs> but some of them were wearing even your shirts and like. Yeah, thought, that, that was yeah. Yeah. It's important for me to bring that up because it's like, I think people should always like have the sense that you know naturally you come here, but you can't expect that. And like you guys got to see that. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing thing. Yeah, that was cool. Was I don't think cool. we even knew some of the people. I didn't know t-shirts. who was wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. Or I don't I know the people who were but there was one person I didn't recognize and I was like who are you? I don't think we knew what to expect coming over at all. Like we didn't know what the venue was like. We didn't know if we had any people here who listened to us. So I think it went well. Yeah. All all around. Yeah. I feel like um, you know when you go through an adrenaline rush and then you're just like completely exhausted afterwards. I feel like I've been building up to it for like two Mm. weeks or something. Mm. Like it does feel like I've been excited for two weeks and now i'm just like oh my god that was amazing um, yeah because we were chatting a bit last night and you guys had a mat it wasn't just like you were like waiting idly for these new york shows to new york show to come you were doing a lot of stuff bef- leading up to this because mm-hmm. like, was it like you guys were supporting tudor just like four or five days ago somewhere yeah we did three nights with tudor cinema club and before that we'd done what four, four days in the uk as well yeah um, so we did seven nights in a row and then we went to New York just directly after we went to New York fuck what a life yeah yeah <laughs> right. oh so something that I'm always excited about as well is when I know people are listening that have no frame of context for your band at all mm-hmm. so I think we should definitely go back to the beginning how did Pillow Queens start basically we're a jazz hip hop fusion with a little bit of folk <laughs> 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 Start. Um, oh, we I just need so to learn. <laughs> we tell people like, yeah, the stories. Know the stories. Yeah. I know the stories. There's yeah. always elements of truth in how yeah. we tell the story, but it's not massively interesting. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, came together. Like I had wanted to make uh, music with Pamela for years because I thought she was an amazing musician, and eventually I tricked her into joining a band with me because we were living together. So I just kept coming into her room with a guitar being like, how about now? <laughs> and eventually she was like, yeah, fine, okay, let's do it. And then we went to play a basketball match and Kathy came along and I'd never met Kathy before. And Pamela was like, Kathy's a great guitarist, let's get her to play in the band. And I was like, cool, amazing, let's do it. So we asked her when we were in the pub after the basketball match, would she join the band with us? And she was like, oh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I'll come and jam with you and see what happens. And then we jammed the three of us and we're like, yeah, this is cool. We need a drummer, though. And then we're like, who's good? And then the girls knew Rachel for years. So they were like, let's get Rachel Lines to do it. And I was like, I had a drink in her house once. I know who yeah, she is. Yeah, that was fun. Was like, yeah. <laughs> you got very drunk. I did, yeah. I was already very drunk when I got to your house. Right? I was writing my thesis. I was writing my MA thesis yeah, at the time, and I was avoiding it. Someone was just like, do not let Sarah go out afterwards. And I was like, okay. But I was like, well, she is. I decided that she's coming in. <laughs> that was great fun though. You made me an espresso martini, or maybe you're. I think Nikki made somebody me. made me an espresso yeah, martini. I think it was me. It was good. I liked it. 
Are we sure it wasn't a, a whiskey sour? It no, it was an espresso. It had a little bean on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was mad into making <laughs> sours at that stage. Oh, yeah? But, yeah, no. It was, it no, was it's I've never had one before, and it was very nice. Nikki's oh. always talking about her espresso martinis. Like, literally every time I meet her. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Like, no, the, I, I, mean, I want to try one. It was after yeah, a club night, so, like, I was... I probably would have... I've never had one. I kind of feel robbed. Mm. Oh, you'd have to have one. Ireland. If we just throw a bit of vodka into your coffee there, it's halfway there. Yeah, right. <laughs> is that vodka? Like I don't know, actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, like, something I'm curious about with that is because, like, naturally, with a lot of you, you've all done music prior to being in Pillow Queens. Like, you've been in other bands and stuff like that. Like, did it feel different at the start when you guys got together? Or did that kind of come a bit later? Like, in just, like, Pillow Queens being what it is? I think immediately it felt different from mm. any band I'd been in, in, in like, dynamic-wise. Um... And I guess it's, I don't know, actually I was going to say, oh, it's different because we're all uh, women. It's actually not that different to being in a band with a lot of blokes. If I'm <laughs> really? Would you, uh, can you go into that a bit? Uh, we have no shame. <laughs> <laughs> to be we're honest, though, I think that is what has made us like really work together. We said that from the beginning. We were very much so like, we asked the hard questions from the start. It's like, okay, you want to play music, but like, are you ready to tour? Like do you care that much about your job? Are we going to do this properly? Like, really, like, not skirting around anything? Can I fart in front of you? Can I fart in front of you? <laughs> you didn't ask that. No, just I just did. So, like, then touring and everything was so much easier because we already were used to each other's smells and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was just... Oh, felt so very disgusting. I know. <laughs> but everyone I is. Want, I want to be a nice, like, girl. No, you can't. You're <laughs> the worst of everyone. Would just stop. <laughs> you must just feel the worst. I'm a princess. <laughs> we okay. like each other on the thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an amazing situation to be in, though, because, like, I've been around a lot of bands when they were, like, you know, 15, 16, 17, like, those early ages, and, like, those questions you're talking about, Sarah, like for presenting, it's like you don't really feel like you have enough of the experience to even ask questions like that when you're younger. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that you're able to be in a position to do that together, like as not just a band, but as friends as well. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of it as well is like because we all kind of done the kind of younger band stuff. Uh, when we were all coming into this, I think we took it maybe like a lot more serious. Not that we didn't take any of our other bands serious, but like it would be like times 10 just because it's just like well this is this is our last chance i suppose i think it was Jesus. the first time though that like i had been in a band i could tell instantly with the girls that like everyone was like listening to each other and like everyone was kind of a perfectionist so we weren't kind of doing things by halves and it was the first time i kind of experienced like let's get this right um yeah. i think everyone really respected that about each other and we kind of really put the time mm-hmm. in to make things as good as possible yeah I think something that really sticks out about your band as well, like with having following you, following your guys' work around for a while now, is like how there's definitely a clear distinction of evos where it's like it's not very fr- the songs aren't frivolous. It's not very much like oh, this is a throwaway. It's like there's always feeling and intention behind the songs. I wonder, like as a band, as a collection of people, like what would you say? Do you feel like you have a shared ethos amongst each other? And if like so, what would that be? I think so. Like, we don't, we, it's funny because it's not, we've never sat down and like, yeah. just like decided on a manifesto or anything. I think because we hang out so much and we're around the same kind of people and we generally just think people should be sound to each other, that that's the extent of the ethos. It's like, 
don't be a dick and if you're a dick we'll call you out on it but like I don't think it goes into anything deeper than that but like I mean when you're writing songs if it doesn't have feeling behind it why bother writing it you know like I'm writing it as a catharsis it's like I want to sing this in front of a room full of people because it's something that I care about and I think is important to think about and talk about and everything else and then that goes into a song and then like having four part harmonies and like writing drums around it and writing like guitar pieces around it is just special it adds something to it and then there's other aspects of feeling being added to the song so yeah because I'm hungover I felt like I was rambling so much there you actually no no you actually <laughs> <laughs> you actually condensed that rather nicely though but kind of going off that i think like what speaks to it a lot is that weirdly in 2019 like what you said there about like you know just wanting people to be sound to one another and like you know calling people after being dicks it's like in a weird way in 2019 it's actually a bit of a rebellious act to say we should all be nice to each other <laughs> it's so sad isn't it? yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were like, you're shaped by the people around you, so like, I mean, we absolutely do have like a shared ethos, but we don't know exactly what that is. No, 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 <laughs> well, we have a lot of shared experiences, I suppose, like growing up gay in Ireland and like, yeah, generally being women in Ireland and stuff, I think it just yeah. kind of translates to each other. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think even the element, the amount of mentions of like Catholicism and that in our lyrics is like it's so obvious that it was so huge in our upbringing. Yeah, even though it's not something we think about or talk about. You don't think about it, and then you're like, Jesus Christ, all of these have mentioned God. Wasn't there like six songs like that we've written recently? It's like God, they all have like religious titles on them. Like my whole life was religion. Like I mean, I went to we were talking about it last night. I'm like going to like a Catholic all female like essentially a convent. Like I was run by nuns and stuff. Like you couldn't escape religion in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. It's not as pressing, I suppose, these days, but like very much kind of on Sunday you're going to mass. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Our shared ethos is that we love the God. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, Same. I kind of want to explore something you brought up there, like growing up gay in Ireland, because one of the musicians I know really well is um, Connor of Villagers. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. He's a lovely dude. And, um, nice. I remember a couple of years back, I definitely don't want to misspeak at all, but he was telling me about like how it was strange growing up and people around you getting the sense that you were gay before you even did internally. Mm. Like kind of like how like people who would, you know, kind of bully and people in like different work environments who would just kind of be like, who would recognize it. And for him, he'd be like, oh, I don't even know what that is yeah. yet at all. Is that something you guys can kind of relate to at all? Yeah, I definitely was called a lesbian before I even knew what a lesbian was. Really? Yeah. Just because I had a friend, a very good friend. I wasn't into in that way obviously she was just my very good friend and everybody was like you're a lesbian I was like what? but I fancy Bam Margera (laughs) (laughs) I wonder though did it just kind of like resonate with you more because you kind of had those interferes as well because like I'm sure all of our straight friends got called lesbians as well like when you went to an all girls school everyone's like shut beauty dyke like that just went (laughs) along like Every second sentence was that. I remember, like, Jesus my Christ. journal went missing, and then I got it back, and I just had, like, on the back of it was, like, Sarah is a dyke, haha, written on it. And I was like, oh, oh God, they why, know. why do they have they to know. write the laugh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, how on earth did they possibly know? And I was just, like, freaking out about, like, <laughs> rocking back and forth. It's like, you're writing that shit everywhere, like, because it just was rebellious mm. in an all girls' common school to be calling each other lesbians. 
I was just, I was actually just shocked. I was like, I'm not though. What's that about? What <laughs> <laughs> age were you? I was I was probably like 13, 14. You didn't know that? I had no clue. I didn't know that. Uh, I knew when I was 12. I mean, <laughs> I probably yeah. kind of knew. But uh, like never acknowledged it yeah, to myself. You're like, completely in denial. Oh, completely. Absolutely in denial. Oh, God. Well, is that what that's like then when you're that young? Like, is it something you kind of have to reconcile with generally? Yeah. Argue with yourself in your head for a long, long time before mm. you find the acceptance. I think I just suppressed it for years. I remember being really young and just being like, oh no, I am gay. And yeah. Just yeah. not thinking about it. Yeah. Trying to have boyfriends, all of that mm. stuff. And then I think, oh, that thing has just surfaced again. Yeah, I think it like crossed my mind mm. for a moment because I was like, what's a crack? Like, oh, I don't fancy boys. Like, this is. Like, I like their personalities, and, you know, eventually I'll, like, give them a kiss and stuff. <clears throat> but uh, I was like, maybe I'm gay. And I was like, I'm not gay. My brother's going to be the gay one. Is <laughs> 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 No, he's not, no. <laughs> what amazes me about, like, the way you're talking about that, just thinking, like, how that was your life, is that, like, I started going to Ireland regularly around 2009. It's 2019 now, and, like, it's definitely a lot more accepting. And, like, I see... Like gay people, people of LGBTQ in general, generally a lot more open on the streets than that. But yeah. it's kind of weird how ten years ago doesn't feel that long, but it starkly wasn't the case. And you guys grew up there. Yeah. Like, is it weird? See, not weird, but in a positive way. Is it kind of interesting seeing how it's changed just in the last ten few years and that? Yeah, like it's not something that like someone like a like a, an LGBTQ LGBTQ couple could walk past me holding hands and it's not something that I wouldn't yeah. notice like I will cop that right away like they wouldn't be able to pass me without me being like hey hey gotcha it's definitely not as, as like as remarkable now so yeah it's not oh, there's a lot of couple yeah like yeah. get the old look give them the nod yeah. but that's all it used to be because that's all we had so we're so good at the nods so it used to be when you wouldn't be holding hands and you just see somebody who was kind of coded as queer and you'd be like Oh, little nod there, nod back, okay, understand it. <laughs> and cool. everyone had that. It was that and the kind of half sideways smile that every <laughs> lesbian has. They smile at once. And the limp. No. It's a gash. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I think it's really nice, though. I feel like we were all part of that change. Mm, yeah. Like, we all had a hand in... Someone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh. What I was trying to say on a serious note was we all had a hand in um, campaigning for marriage equality and all that kind of stuff. And over the last ten years, it has changed. But I, I guess we've grown up too. And that campaign like totally changed me. Yeah, like, going through that and like reading pe- other people's stories, like. I remember I used to be like, oh no, I don't, I like, never want to get married because like, fuck that and I don't want to be accepted into this like place mad that... Mad to get married. Well, I'm not, not mad to get married. <laughs> Just because I was eyeing up the plaza yesterday. <laughs> it's not very fair now. I like a good day out. But anyway, my point is, is that the campaign made me realise that I had an awful lot of internalised homophobia that I wasn't aware of. Mm. So when I saw other people's stories, I was like, oh, you don't seem like a pervert. That's very nice, actually. Wow. And then I'd kind of put that back on myself. I'm like, oh, yeah, because it's not. It's just, like, a preference on who I fall in love with. It's not a deviation. Yeah. 
Yeah. I meant a deviant, so you have to cut that. <laughs> it should be it should be noted with the uh, <clears throat> the movement, like to get rights and that, like it hasn't been like an easy road at all, and there's been so much pushback throughout even like the last fifteen twenty years, but. I think what's been really amazing has been seeing the matter of resiliency because it's like people do keep organizing and getting together and like going like no we actually want to campaign for this and like yeah. that's never really faltered which is kind of remarkable yeah i mean the, the fact that we had to go through a referendum like obviously the whole like years decades of people like fighting to get like any remnants of uh rights in ireland and then it kind of culminated in a very kind of I'd say a lot of people would consider it as a bit of a traumatic moment because the the discussion around the referendum, the fact that people had to vote to, to vote on your rights, whether mm-hmm. they you they give them to you or they yeah. you, they keep you down, and like just a, like oh just the it's stuff that you see yeah. is very anxious with people who you would consider friends or at least acquaintances would be talking very frankly about stuff that would basically be completely like you know discriminatory toward you but they're like well you know it's a vote like i have to say what i think (laughs) which is like you're not this is not something that's like this is not about you yeah this is this is not like an amendment on a lisbon treaty you know this is this is like this is my life and like this person in front of you and they're like well you know it's you know democracy and all that and we're just like Okay, I mean, I obviously don't think it's something that it should have been voted for, um, mm. but mm. um, okay, it's kind of shaped us now. I think that whole moment, um, mm. hopefully we'll never have to do something like that again. Mm. <laughs> but you know, it's ama- like what was so important for me to just talking to you a lot about all that is mm. that you know, it really does correlate and contrast so much to the music because when I think of the context of what I know Ireland to be like, what I know what you guys must have been through, it's like, how could that not have informed your music? Like, it would have been impossible for it not to have been the case. Yeah, yeah. I think that's even, like, the reason that we, like, when we started the band, we all had stuff in our back pockets that we wanted to release. So that's why we started gigging, like, almost straight away, because we just had all these songs collectively in our back pockets that we wanted to share. So it was kind of, in a weird way, a very inspiring time. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff going on when Pelican started. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. But at the same time, not all of our songs are about like big, huge moments. Some of them are just, just stupid little songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about uh, what was the first song that you guys ended up releasing? Like the first like single, no? Uh, we released an EP, like a like a like a tree song EP. So they were all like it was tree songs same time. So rats, olive, and. Wonder Boys. Yeah, but, but then I guess we did the video for Rats. So yeah, so technically Rats is the first, the first one, and I think the first song we ever wrote as well. Yeah, um, and that just I think when we were making that um a demo, Rats wasn't even the one we considered to be the one that people would hook their teeth into. Mm, yeah. Why is that? I think it's just a very simple song and. Like, at the time it didn't have like the, the chant of I'm not a rat either I think it only was in the song maybe once and then like because it's not the chorus even really like, no. it's just the hook and we had like three different names on it as well before it was rats oh, yeah. did we? Yeah. oh yeah it, one was like life of the party, life of the party yeah. and there was another one as well I can't remember but um, yeah it didn't kind of fully form it didn't really fully form until we played it live and people like sang that hook back at us and it was like 
Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a bit shocked. Yeah. This, is, this is actually landing. Yeah. It's bizarre. That's the funny thing about um, the perspective of you musicians, though, where it's like, weirdly, it generally does tend to be the simplest song or like a simple song that strikes a chord. But mm-hmm. it's interesting seeing how you lot could be like in the middle of like, you know, making it and it takes a while to come to that point with a certain song. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it was in studio that we were like, oh, we'll do the chant without any, we just start, just our vocals. Uh, like that wasn't something we were going to do before. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, it works. And I think it's it's fantastic to do live, like so much fun. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's the one part I really look forward to because you, you get not to play for a while, so you can just dangle your arms for a little bit, <laughs> stand there and smile at people. Yeah. Well, it really did win over some people last night. That one, like that was one rats particularly. That was the song I feel like it, it's a moment in the set where like everyone in the room is aware that they're part of a co- like a collective of people in a room. Yeah. Like we go to a lot of gigs as well, and I think it's important to feel like that when you're in an audience. Like it's easy to go and just listen to music, and then leave and never think about it again. But like if you're at a gig and you feel part of like a community, given a like, job, yeah, <laughs> like you're, we're there kind of like teaching the lyrics to people in the audience, just being like, we need a hand singing this back, so you're gonna sing it with us. And like if they do sing back, like you literally step off stage feeling so so good. It's yeah. the best feeling in the world. It's, nice. yeah. it's really funny watching people as well because everyone's kind of looking around being like are you singing, are you yeah. singing? Like, there's such a willingness in people's like eyes and it's kind of like their mouth half opens and then by the end of it it's just like yeah, yeah really good. was it easy for you guys to approach live shows like early on with yeah. that in mind with that desire of wanting to make it feel like a community in the room because it's one thing to kind of have that in mind but like when you're an early band starting out i've seen it a lot where so many bands have in mind uh, just get through the gig, just make sure the gig's okay, mm. that they don't really allow themselves to think about other aspects of the actual feeling. But just considering what your music's like and what's it about, it's so, I feel like that's so integral, like that would be so important. I feel like we kind of looked out when it came to the, like, like a ready-made community in the room. Um, like our, our gigs tend to be like 90% queer people. And like, especially in Dublin, like, you couldn't move in it at a gig sometimes without like bumping into a lesbian that you know. <laughs> <laughs> like it, 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 that's the kind of the way it's going now. Um, I think it it was probably more concentrated when we started out, and now it's kind of we're 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 like it's it, it's a lot more of a diverse room. We allow straight people in now. <laughs> <laughs> I think like when we started, well, certainly for me, like it's really important for me to play well and like for it to be like a well-finished song or whatever and like having a good performance but the more we play like the likes of gay girls and stuff you kind of realize that the song is the people in the rooms like everyone's so emotional and involved and it's just kind of like oh this is their song it's not really yeah you kind of feel like you're just kind of letting it go to them <laughs> it's like we can yeah. walk off and they're still going to be singing like yeah it's, mm. it's an emotional kind of thing that people need to be involved in i think yeah, yeah. i love when they sing along in the verses of that although Almost every time they get the words wrong, but I'm not. Almost every time you, you get the words wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I'm curious. Have you lot ever played a show with a dream wife? No, no. Oh, I feel like that'd be pretty fitting, especially with just like the approach to live shows, because they do this really cool thing, um, in the middle of their set. Uh, where they'll uh, tell all the the women in the crowd who are too afraid to like be at the front to like push themselves forward and just like they have it like oh was it the bad 
the bad bitches like chant yeah. and it's like pretty much like girls shoving their way to the front and, like being part of that but I've been to a couple of their shows and like they have quite a big LGBTQ fan base as well and it's mm-hmm. like that idea of having like a safe space within like the abrasiveness of a rock show I think that's the beautiful kind of contrast where like that can exist on side where it's like you're thrashing about sweaty you might get like some beer on you but you still feel really safe weirdly mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah I think maybe it was because it was a sort of DIY scene that we were <coughs> born into but I don't know I've never felt that kind of like real aggressive thrashiness at any gigs that we've played no no. no it's always just felt like Everyone's very, yeah, a nice place to be each other. yeah maybe we've just been lucky and kind of like joyful if it's ever thrashy it's always just joyful yeah but I think that's the people who listen to our music that's the sort of people that they are you know they're not going to mosh and elbow each other in the face and it's just Mm -hmm. a nice respectful crowd yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's pretty remarkable as well because like something I've been hearing a lot of with like people working like labels and even venues and that is that it's particularly gotten in maybe like the last four or five years it's like been getting more difficult to get people to just come out to shows like this is a constant conversation about like oh wow people particularly younger people really uh feel more incentivized to just stay in and watch netflix and like that actual idea of telling people to dress up and go to a show it feels difficult for some reason now i i I find myself kind of stumped at it because it's even hard for me to contextualize it because i love going to shows so much but like it must be really cool for you to see that you don't have that issue when it comes to getting people to come to your shows where it's like for the most part people really do want to come I think especially in Ireland like we're kind of going through something at the moment where everything is being turned into a hotel and we're losing venues left right and centre so when we can put on a gig people want to come to it because they're like oh shit you know how long are we going to have gig spaces for so people are kind of jumping at the chance to go to gigs when they happen yeah I can imagine that people like maybe not wanting um, to go to gigs I suppose like kind of music culture in, in general is like wrapped up with like alcohol yeah. like like a lot so yeah. I'd say like a lot of people who maybe don't want to be around that be wouldn't be very enticed to come to a show mm. but like even the idea of like those two things being taken away from each other is just like wild to me <laughs> and, uh, I don't think that's ever going to change but yeah, I mean, Netflix is good too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can meet meet in the middle, some Netflix and then some gigs. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, well, tell me this. Uh, what are the songs that you guys played last night? Um, and I reckon it's a newer one that's coming out soon. And Brothers, right? Is yeah, that what it's called. Their next single. Yeah, I really fucking love that song. Cool. Can you talk to me I about? Like it. Yeah, can you talk to me about how that one came together? We God, it took a hard time. That's a long time, yeah. yeah. We played it for the first time, like maybe this time last year. November mm-hmm. last year, yeah. And it was a completely different. Yeah, we played it live like played. differently as well. Oh, it was terrible. Let's be honest. <clears throat> no, it ah, we, we played it well. It just was we a just, different song. It just we wasn't really well. struggled with like the structure, and we had a lot of different musical lines going on. Yeah. And we just we couldn't find the sweet spot, and we kind of put it on the shelf for a while. We kind of only revisited it in the last like maybe three months. It was when we were on tour with Soak, but we had a couple of days off and we booked into the oh, yeah. studios yeah. in, Gosh, in Manchester. Was, so that was in May. Yeah. And then we just like, we're like, let's torch it out again. Let's just strip it down. Let's try something new. And then 
all, like all of a sudden it was this whole different song yeah. and we all loved it that felt great yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and the studio had like recorded the entire session as well and they just emailed it to us at the end of it and I was like oh my god when does this ever happen like we got <laughs> the idea we wanted and then it was just like sent to our emails it was so handy Mm. Oh, that's amazing. So for the most part, like the song itself and its essence, it has like quite a raw quality to mm. it because of that. Though, yeah, because yeah, we are, we honestly just jammed it. Like even that, like the end of it takes a little bit of a a more e- even that rock only uh, happened in the studio, and that that like it was still a week before. A week before, yeah. <laughs> so like even when we thought we had it down, it yeah. was still like it was still like a very changing thing. Yeah. Um, well, we went into the studio very open to letting it take a different shape again. We yeah. knew like it wanted to have different strands in it. Um, but even when we went into the studio, we worked with a producer, Tommy McLaughlin, on it, and we really trust his ear. So it's like, okay, we've got like three versions of it. What do you think? And he's like, um, this one, but a little bit of number one and number three, and then chop it there. I was like, okay. Yeah. Did you guys also? Like, I haven't met Tom yet, but we have, like, a couple of mutual friends. I should mention that he used to be the guitarist of Villagers, and he has that amazing studio, Attica. Have you guys ever been up there? Yeah, that's where we go, yeah. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. Fuck you guys, that one's beautiful. It's (laughs) It's such a nice place to be. Like, when you're recording vocals, he has, like, an entire different room outside of the studio that you go into, and it has all this, like, glass panelling and exposed bricks, and all the glass just looks onto, like... Miles of fields and it's like sheep and everything just looking in at you while you're doing your vocals. It's incredible. Have you been up there? I haven't, but <coughs> I know a couple of people have been and swear not to like name drop mad. But I remember a couple of years ago talking to Sam Smith, he recorded some of his. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Really? And, yeah. Tell me something. He just doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, he did tell us that, yeah. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I still listen. And I remember that was a big thing he mentioned about just like how it's a place where so many mad things can be going on in your life in the world but when you're there you feel like you're so far removed from like oh, whatever yeah. oh is. you're very far away from everything <laughs> <laughs> there's no like pollution like it's literally in like just the back of nowhere in Donegal it's, it's so beautiful it's funny how that's like kind of like to highlight something like that pinpoints how it's like a rare thing to exist mm-hmm. yeah definitely like a studio you know and something he's obviously put a lot of time passion and money into but like it is so far from everything that's fucking amazing it's such a credit to him that people actually make the tracks it's probably about five hours from dublin and there's amazing studios around dublin but everyone's just like yeah we will take those terrible country roads Uh, before I wrap up with you lot, like you have some couple awesome things coming up like when I was chatting with you last night one of them being like Iceland Airways can you talk about that? Oh is that in November? Like, that's uh, in like two weeks yeah, November Jesus. we've always wanted to go to Iceland like individually just mm. on a holiday yeah. and then the festival came up and we were just like yes 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 100% yes um, so we're playing like our actual gig is on the Thursday that we get there and then we have a day off and we've booked like a golden circle tour is that yeah. what it's called and the that ends in the blue lagoon which is like all the Icelandic things to do oh, and then on the Saturday we're doing um, a KXP session in a hostel in Iceland I was in Poland <laughs> 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 uh, in Iceland as well so that's amazing 
Oh, that's fucking awesome. Like, and I, I was saying last night, I hope it's uh, with Cheryl Waters, fucking legendary oh, yeah. radio presenter. That'd be top if that is. That's going to shake her hand, honestly. Yeah. Because we were saying last night how she pretty much has introduced us to so many bands that we like. Totally, yeah. yeah. I love that. All of my favorite bands have done a gay EXP session. Yeah. It's yeah. so exciting. Oh, God, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we, like, wrap up, like, finally, um, what's so cool about getting to do this is knowing that there's definitely people who you're close with or people who deeply care about you on a friendship level and that who are like listening who mm. you probably talk to and that mm-hmm. I would like to give you the chance to individually address someone who might be listening because that's pretty meta <gasps> Kathy's mom oh yeah hi uh, <laughs> Sally you're the best so supportive I'm gonna have to pick my little nephew Charlie who you just saw a video of oh I actually just miss him so much when we're on tour so it's like oh Charlie <laughs> he's my boy he is such a cute little kid. <laughs> He's adorable. I'm going to say my partner, Tara. I love you so much, you so much, so much, so much. We love you too, Tara. You're the best. Thanks for driving us around. I have no idea. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> I hope you're listening. We're so uncool. <laughs> it is so mad like you're here in new york and like today like for today for example i'm gonna go sightsee and like you did something yesterday like that's fucking wild so much more to do today yeah we're i need another coffee we're a bit like um Okay, I know I'm showing off now, but I went to bed before everyone else did last night. They all went out and I had lost my voice, so I went to bed. So I woke up at 8am this morning and I was like, fresh as a day. Oh, what a lovely day. And I was like, I'm in New York, the sun is shining. So I just like got up, put like loads of scarves on because it's still freezing. And then just walked down and got Dunkin' Donuts, iced coffee and a bagel. And I went and I just walked all the supermarket aisles because there's loads of different it's not real funny it's like an episode 10 scarf I'm a real New Yorker but the funny bit the funny bit is is that she was still in her pajamas when I came here I was (laughs) 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 do you know what's so cool about this is that uh, this was such an impromptu like last minute thing I actually didn't have any questions for you when I came here I just kind of just thought all that in my head as I was talking nice very good yeah it seemed very well researched first time first time we're doing it like that amazing we're also going to LA if you, if you have any listeners in LA. Oh, we have, definitely do. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, we've never been there before. We so have a good amount. So we'll we be doing a show as well. Yeah, we're yeah. playing School Nights at the Bardot in Hollywood. Oh, shit. So exciting. It's an Irish showcase night. And um, what date is it? Anyone remember? The 4th of November. The 4th of November. Yeah, this will be out by then. Who else is on the bill? Soak. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Swallow, 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 New York and LA and now it's just a predominantly LA thing where like oh, cool. you get a, particularly like a lot of like walk-ins like people who don't know anything about the bill mm. just going so I think it's sold out is it? Yeah. oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> well I mean hey I'm sure if you're like in LA and you're at a supermarket and you see a rando and you assume they have a ticket if you want to like you know 
followed them to the car. <laughs> and I asked them, like, hey, do you have a school night ticket? <laughs> and they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so everyone just wants to queue up outside so it looks like we're a big deal. And yeah. then uh, they'll invite us back again. That's how music works. Yeah. That oh, is and also just follow us on Spotify because that's actually how music works, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone should definitely do, what is it, like the Spotify, Instagram, Song kick, that's a thing as well. Song kick is a thing. Yeah. Uh, Deezer is a thing. Uh, yeah, follow us everywhere you can. Yeah, that's Except Pillow Queen. <laughs> spelled, yeah. That's Pillow Queen spelled exactly how you think it's spelled. You should know because you have an education, I hope. Except for on Twitter, in which it has three E's. Oh, shit. Sure. Yeah, yeah, we really had to fuck with people's minds. <laughs> three E's would do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. Girl, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you. it. Yeah.